Let's turn in the scripture tonight to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. (laughs) Anybody know what's in there? We've been talking about the great wonderful truth that God is good. God is good. And if you think you already know all about that, well, you don't. (laughs) You can learn more. He's way better than we have experienced and known. He is good. He is the personification of good. When you look up the word in the dictionary, good, you know, if you knew what picture to put there, God's picture ought to be there. Because what is good? God is good. Whatever he says is good, that's what's good. Whatever he says to do, that's what's good. He knows. And so we have been feeding our faith from the word in the goodness of God. And I'm telling you, it has far-reaching effects. And this kind of thing does wonders for your faith. And it can absolutely free you from depression and from limitations on your receiving. In Psalm 34, let's read it out loud, beginning in verse 1, all of us together. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, let's just stop right here. You understand what we're talking about. One way to do that is all the time be saying, God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, you're so good. Praise you, Lord, you're so good. Would it hurt you to just say that all the time? Mm -mm. It's what should be happening. Verse 2, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now he starts off that one with an O. Now we talked about that some last week. Does that O need to be there? Yeah, it's got to be there. Why? Because nothing else quite conveys it. O is one of those things you say when you don't have the words to say. Can you see that the goodness and the greatness of God is welling up in his spirit? As he's saying this, he's talking about praising God and glorifying God. Then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on and get with me on this. Let us exalt his name together. And it was necessary to begin that with, oh, now keep reading. What does it say? I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. If you've been in torment from fears and struggling with dread and fear and panic. The Lord helped us on this some months ago. We camped on this week after week after week. Free from all fears. Verse 5. They looked to him and they were lightened, enlightened. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. And he heard me, hallelujah, and saved me out of all my troubles. Oh, 
I don't know about you, but that verse got my name on it. Mine and Phyllis's. When I called out to the Lord and cried, literally cried, tears ran down my face as I prayed. And I said, God, this is not right. I know this is not your will. Have mercy on me. Show me what I don't see. I said, hook me up with the people who know the associations, whatever I need, any changes I need to make. I'm willing to repent. I'm willing to correct. I cried out. This poor man cried out. What happened? And the Lord heard him. Man, at that time, we were behind. We were behind on our taxes. We hadn't been tithing and giving like we should. We were in a mess. I mean, we, you know, there were times we wanted to do something, didn't have money for a tank of gas to get out of town. I mean, broke. And like that month after month after month after month, that gets old. Now the devil and some unbelieving Christians would try to convince you that that could be the will of God for you. That he's teaching you all these wonderful things. Through you sitting at home broke. Don't you believe it? I said don't you believe it? That's not good. Not being able to pay your bills is not good. Being behind is not good. How many understand not paying your bills is a bad witness? I mean, you come to church and you shout about how big your God is and then can't even pay your utilities. See, that don't compute with an unbeliever. What does that tell them? That tells them there's nothing to it. Y'all just come and y'all need this religion as a crutch. If he's really as big as we're saying that he is and the Bible says that he is, it ought not be a problem for us to get our bills paid and to have plenty, plenty. Plenty. Glory to God. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And what did the Lord do about it? Saved him out of all his troubles. Now we know it's specific troubles. It's poor troubles. Because <laughs> he could have said anything. He could have said this sick man. He could have said this dumb man. He could have said this sinner man. What did he say? Poor man. So what kind of troubles was it? Troubles you have from being poor. He delivered him out of all, saved him out of all his poor troubles. He did that for us. He did that for us. We were $10,000 behind on our taxes. And it was just, the interest was just accruing and accumulating. Somebody says, why? How come? Dumb. How come you messed up? And now this was several years ago, praise the Lord. <laughs> but we were, and just, you know, I mean, just barely making it week to week. And we begin to do this. We got that God account. We begin to put God first. And, you know, when you have so little, you're tempted not to do anything. You know, you know, feel like you don't have a dime to spare. But we begin to do what the Lord told us to do. We begin to believe God. We begin to put him first. And it wasn't, but about a whole two or three months passed. We, there was another, I think it was a $5,000 debt that we were behind on. I mean, way behind on. And then this $10,000 tax bill. So we sowed, we claimed, and I'm telling you what, when you are putting God first, you got something to stand on in your faith. You do. 
You're able to look all this fear and stuff in there and say, hey, hey, I'm doing what God told me to do. I'm putting God first. And he's going to take care of me. He's going to do what he said. You get confident. When you're not, you don't have any confidence. And so I went to a meeting. And a fellow was talking to me about some tax problems he had had. I hadn't said anything about it. We didn't tell anybody. That's not something you necessarily want to tell people. We hadn't told anybody about our tax trouble. So we are uh, at this meeting and I'm preaching. And uh, this fellow asked me about what he didn't ask me. He was telling me about his some difficulties he had. And I just said, yep, I know what you mean. <laughs> In a knowing way. He looked at me and said, oh, I see. I said, yep, I do. I know what you mean. And that's all we said. Well, the very next day, he catches me outside the hotel room on the way to service. And he says, uh, he said, Brother Keith, he said, I know it's none of my business, but you owe money on back taxes? I said, yeah. He said, God's debt with me to do something about it. I said, he has? He said, he has. He said, well, uh, how much is it? I said, well, you really want to know? He said, yeah, I got to find out. The Lord's told me to do something about it. I said, it's $10,000. He looked down. He said, okay. He said, I'm going to send you $1,000 a month till it's taken care of. And that check came to the mailbox every month. $1,000. $1,000. And do you understand? We did not go shopping. I said, we did not go shopping. What do we do? Pay those taxes. And just about the time, it only took, I don't know, it happened quicker than a year. It was only eight or nine months. That and extra paid it all off. And about that same week, the people that we owed 5000 called us and said, we want to sow that to you. Forget about that. Glory to God. Well, did the Lord deliver us out of our poor troubles, our poor problems, right? And we didn't tell anybody about that. Supernaturally, God did that. Why did I tell you that? Because he'll do it for you. I said, he'll do it for you. Don't just say, well, Brother Keith, he's a preacher and God did No, these ain't preacher verses. They're believer verses. Are you a believer? Well, then it'll happen for you. If you'll repent, repent. And then begin to put God first. Begin to put him first. Do what he told you. And then claim this. And he will do what he did for us. He will get you. He will deliver that poor man out of all his troubles. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. And delivers them. Oh. There's that oh. Everybody say it. Oh. Oh. Oh what? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He's good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Can you believe that verse? I don't care how much want you're in right now or how much you've been in. Is the Bible true? Can you believe the Bible? Hmm? Listen to me now. Don't let somebody else, some unbelieving, even 
preacher with a bunch of initials after his name uh, or anybody else talk you in to watering this down to match your experience. Well, I don't experience, so that must not really mean that. Uh, it's probably talking about no spiritual want. And uh, after all, do we even really know what is a want? <laughs> and <laughs> see, people trying to be so wise are fools. They're ignorant. You don't have to have any degrees to know that when you can't pay your bills, that's bad. <laughs> when your bills are paid and you got plenty of money, that's good. That's good. Well, is God a good God or a bad God? What's his will for you? Good or bad? Now, I know, I know, because some of them have sent me letters. These gals will pull their, their half spectacles down on the end of their nose. And they go, yes, but now. Minister Keith. Reverend Keith. It's not that simple. It's complicated. No, you're just confused. It ain't complicated. But a lot of people believe it is very, in fact, there are whole religions, whole segments of Christian religion that don't even encourage their people to read the Bible that much because you won't be able to understand it. We'll read it and tell you what it says and means for you. And even they vary from week to week. <laughs> Am I right? Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? If God wanted to do something over our head, he wouldn't even have to try. If God wanted to talk over our head, how many understand God feels no need to impress us with his superior intellect? He is so secure. God knows who he is. And he's God. He feels no, not even the slightest inkling to use big words on us <laughs> or elaborate theories so that we go, whoa, God, you're so smart. I didn't even understand the words you said. And he goes, yeah, I told you, I'm way up here. You ain't even in the same league with me. So what? Where does that leave us? Just every day looking up going, duh. God, I hope you got it under control because I ain't got a clue. I don't even know what you want me to do because like you said, I couldn't understand it if you told me. And I don't know what's good and what's bad for me. So, hey, I hope you got it. Now, I know that sounds silly, but do you understand millions of Christians are in that boat? They may not just come out and say it. Some of them do. But basically, you can't understand God 
enough to even know really what's good for you in your life or bad. That's a bunch of junk. God is always breaking it down where we can get it. Hmm? He talks New England accent. He talks Russian. He talks Mississippi country. He knows how to break it down. So you get it. A good teacher can communicate with anybody on their level. The Holy Ghost is the best. I said he's the best. And I tell you what I've seen in my small experience. Christians are every day again and again. They are ignoring the obvious. They pray and ask the Lord for something and something comes up and it affects that area. And they look at it like, wow, that's interesting. I was just praying about that the other day. Wonder what that means. Don't ignore the obvious. God's not trying to confuse us. He's not trying to go over our head. He's endeavoring to do everything to make it plain to us. And simple. If it looks simple, just accept it for what it is. And go, yep, that's it. You mean you're just going to accept that like that? Yep. Lest you become converted and become like little children. You won't enter into the things of the kingdom of God. Can you see that? Don't make it hard. Don't make it. I know I did. Bless my, like Brother Hagin used to say, my darling heart and stupid head. I made getting filled with the Spirit so hard that it kept me from receiving for years. I knew about Pentecost. I knew about people speaking in tongues. And I got saved as a boy. But I didn't speak in tongues. But I believed it. Now, coming back to this, what I said originally was don't let anybody work on you to water down this word to match your lack of experience. Well, we don't see that nowadays, so that must not really mean that. It must, no. How about people are backslid? How about people have lost things and God hasn't changed at all? But this is what we're supposed to be seeing and having and doing. He doesn't change. He's not going to conform to us. And people have done that. They've done that with this. What did that verse say that we just got through reading? There is how much lack? How much want? Is that the will of God for you? Could you live like that? Don't make excuses as to why you don't see this in your life. How many remember the tithing passage in Malachi? If you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, what would happen? Open up the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings on you that you would not have room enough to receive some as well. I still got some room. Then you got a choice. Are you going to water down that passage to match your lack of experience? Or are you going to believe God to raise your experience up to match that? Explain it away. Whole denominations have said, you know, well, you know, we don't see healing like they used to. So apparently healing has all passed away. The apostles, they had the power to heal. But when the last apostle died, all that ceased. And you got whole denominations that don't pray for the sick, don't believe to be healed. And well, we just don't know whether it's good for us to be healed or maybe it might be better. We just don't know. It might be better for us to have a terrible disease in our body. We might be learning some things. And what they're saying is we don't have enough sense to know the difference between good and bad. Bad, doing being sick and being healed. 
Boy, the devil has sold the church a bill of goods. I'm telling you. Hurting in your body. Using half your week sitting in the doctor's office. And all your money is not good. That's bad. Are you confused about that? Well, now, Brother Keith. It might be. No, uh uh-uh. It might be a blessing in disguise. It is not a blessing in disguise. It's bad. It's evil. Of all the thousands and thousands of people that Jesus ministered healing to when he walked the earth, if it was so that some of them, it wasn't God's will to heal, he would have told at least one or two of them. I'm sorry. No, no. Now, God the Father's working something out in you on this, and we just won't accept his will. He never told anybody that or anything remotely like that. He healed them all. This is man's feeble attempt to water down the Bible to match his lack of experience. Don't do it. That's pride is what that is. It's human pride. But what you can do is humble yourself. And see it and go, I'm not seeing that in my life. I'm supposed to be seeing it. There it is right there in the Bible. I'm supposed to have that. I'm supposed to be that. I'm supposed to do it. So Lord, elevate my experience to match this. Show me what I need to see. Help me. Bring me up to this. And don't be satisfied till you get there. If it takes a lifetime. Because his word is right. This standard is the right one. I know talking about being filled with the spirit. I knew about speaking in tongues. I knew people who spoke in tongues. I didn't. And I began to, as I studied the subject, I believed it. I believed it was for today. I believed it was for everybody. But I complicated it. I made it hard. And a lot of ignorance and pride. And I said things like this. I said, well now, if you ever see this old boy speaking in tongues, you'll know it ain't me. Well, who would it be? (laughs) If it was you speaking in tongues, it wouldn't be your brother. Well, I want to be the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost to get filled with the Holy Ghost. No, no, I just don't want it to be me. You don't want what to be you. See, ignorance, complication. And I made it hard. I got in my head about it. Millions of people are there right now. Got in my head about, well, how does it work? Do you see words? Do you hear words? Do you get caught up in an ecstasy spirit? What happens to you? And then I went month after month, and I went year after year figuring and thinking and talking and not receiving. Are y'all with me now? And a lot of people after that, and they'll pray, and they'll ask questions, and they'll read books, and they'll do all that, and they'll decide, well, uh, this is just not for everybody. Uh-huh. And they'll water down the Bible to match their lack of experience. Not true. It's one of the signs that'll follow believers. They'll speak with new tongues. People say, now, brother, that means that they'll talk different than they use. Well, that's what you say. (laughs) Ephesians were tongue talkers. The Corinthians were tongue talkers. The Philippians were tongue talkers. Tongue talkers. Beginning of the church, they were tongue talkers. Hmm? Somebody said, well, I don't know about all that. Well, if you're not a tongue talker, you're completely ignorant of the subject. 
and ought to be quiet and listen to people who do talk in tongues, who know something about it. And people say, well, I, I don't believe in it. Well, you're not going to be bothered with it. And we're not going to jump on you and pray for you against your will. So relax. <laughs> but you are missing out. Because I was a Christian for years who did not speak in tongues. Now I've been a Christian for many more years who does. Can I get a witness that with is much better. Much. Much. And the reason I bring it up is because people are they're just operating at such a low level power-wise in their life when they don't have to. But it's not God withholding. It's wrong thinking. Wrong thinking, and part of it is this complicating the Bible and watering it down to match your lack of experience. So I went year after year like that. And finally, praise be unto God, I got a little book by Brother Kenneth Hagin. talked about seven steps to receive the Holy Spirit. I read those in our little 1969 Marriott mobile home. You know, with the, uh, was it red shag carpet, wasn't it? And genuine imitation leather sofa. And I read that in there. And you know, real simple. Really simple. Really simple. You're born again. You believe in this. You ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. You believe you receive. You speak in tongues. I read that. Now, I had been brought up and taught to tarry. Anybody know about tarry? Oh, man. And I, I had put in quite a few hours tarrying. I don't know how many. But it'd be scores and scores of hours tarrying. And, well, you know, that's all we knew. And so at the end of the service, we'd come down. The men would come down on one side and women come down on the other side of the altar. And we'd tarry. And the other men would come and surround you and the women would surround the women. And they'd pat you on the back and they'd say, hold on, brother, hold on. Somebody would say, turn loose, brother, turn loose. Somebody would say, say Jesus. Somebody would say, say it faster. No, say it slower. No. That's all we knew. And the amazing thing is in spite of all that, some folk got filled sometimes. (laughs) Did you know a lot of times it's not because of what we did, but in spite of what we did that we got results? God's merciful. But now, I didn't receive like that. I went, time, I, there were times when in the, uh, we'd have revival meetings. And we'd come down to the altar sometimes, you know, 9 o'clock, 9.30, whatever, and start tarrying. And man, there are times I'd still be tarrying 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. There were times that, that everybody would leave, the whole church would leave. And sometimes, I remember one night the pastor came back, like 1.30 in the morning. He said, I just couldn't lay in the bed knowing you down here tarrying by yourself. Had to come back and help you. <laughs> well, we might not have known what we were doing, but I tell you, you got to appreciate the love and the commitment. Because there's a lot of folk, they won't stand with you for 15 minutes. They're gone to Shoney's or whatever. They're out of here, right? I mean, they, so there's something to be said. We could use some more of that. That commitment and that endurance. So anyway, I tarried and 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 did not receive. Huh? There was more tarrying than that, Phyllis says. Phyllis said, I didn't say how much tarried. I skipped a lot of, and I did. 
just to spare your ears. But <laughs> during that time, Phyllis and I had gotten married, and she was Catholic. So this was all brand new to her. I'm telling you, she's wondering, what are they doing? And she'd see me go down there and tarry and tarry, and finally, she got weary of it, and I don't blame her. But she starts praying there in the back. And she said, God, whatever it is he wants, would you give it to him so we can go home and quit doing this every night? (laughs) Well, then not long after that, she decided, well, you know, I don't know about all this. Maybe it's something. Maybe I'm hindering him some way. Maybe I'm holding him back some way. So she said she'd get up. She'd come down to the altar and pray. And she fell out under the power. And for the night's over, she's talking in tongues. And I thought, now God, hey, I'm third generation Pentecostal here. I mean, don't seem right. Here she's talking in tongues and I'm still tarrying. So then I'm, I'm have to come to her. We, we, we knew God was dealing with us about direction in our life and ministry. And I had already found out the way to pray when you don't know how to pray is to pray in tongues. You can pray out mysteries. And so I had to come. I said, you know, you need to pray. <laughs> in tongues, she said, it's easy. I said, huh? She said, it's easy. I thought, mm. And so I got Brother Hagin's little book, and I read that, you know, these seven steps, and it's really, really easy and simple. And I got through reading that, and I thought, nah, it can't be that easy. I mean, that's, that's, because if it's that easy, what does that mean about what all this stuff I've been doing? <laughs> that's what a lot of people don't want to admit. And so that's why they develop these doctrines as to why it ain't for everybody and it's all passed away. That's why they'd have to admit that all this stuff I've been doing and believing and saying was completely unnecessary and wrong and a waste of time. And people don't want to admit that. And so, now I'm born again. The Spirit of God's in me, but I hadn't been filled with the Spirit. Same Holy Ghost, same Holy Ghost. And uh, I laid that little book down, and I'm thinking about that. And a thought came up to my mind. This is from him. So, well, you've tried everything else. (laughs) And I had. I had. They told me, they said, well, if you'd wear long sleeves, he'd fit. Well, if you'd shave off that mustache and beard. Well, if you wouldn't do this. Well, if you would. And I did. They said, do it. I did it, man. I'm, you know, I'm open. I want to be filled. <laughs> Still no, not, didn't get filled. And so I did. I read through that and, and I said, uh, all right, I'm standing there. I'm not feeling anything. I'm standing there in a little trailer. And I said, well, Father, okay. I am your child. And I just went down through the things and I got to the last couple. I said, I am your child. And you said if I'd ask you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, you'd give him to me. So I'm asking you. Fill me to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Give me utterance in a new tongue. I believe I receive it. It said, 
Speak. (laughs) He'd already gone into how when you speak in tongues, you don't understand what you're speaking. And the Lord taught me later, you know, uh, we don't even know what half the languages in the earth sound like. And some of them don't sound like languages to us. But they are. So we're not qualified to know whether it sounds like a language or not. And the Bible talks about speaking not only with the tongues of men, but also of angels. We don't know what that's supposed to sound like. But to just speak in faith, believing that you're praying and speaking out mysteries. And that you're building up yourself on your most holy faith. So I said, okay. And he had, you know, given instructions about don't try to think about it. Just speak out of your spirit. But you've got to use your vocal cords and your mouth just like when you speak in your known language. And see, my problem is I kept thinking God's going to make me do this. He's going to speak through me, kind of beyond me. He's going to take me over. And just... The Bible didn't say that. The Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who did the talking? They did the talking. So if you say, well, boy, if you ever hear me speak, it won't be me. Well, then we won't hear you. Because unless you speak, it's not going to happen. Well, I want the Lord to make me do it. Well, it's not going to happen. It's not how it works. Devils want to control people, not God. God wants you to yield to him of your own will and volition. Yield yourself to him. So I'm standing there. I said, okay, nobody around anyway, you know. Lord, I thank you. I believe I receive. And so now I'm going to speak by faith. Didn't feel anything. I thought, nah, 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 that's, uh-uh, that can't be it. Because see, when Sister Mildred got filled, she saw a ball of fire. She did. And she fell up under the bench and she... Sang in tongues. I was there. I saw her. And when Brother Buck got filled, he shook for 15 minutes. Well, now, people may have different experiences, but what did Acts 2, 4 say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to shake. No. Begin to scream. No. Begin to feel. Begin to go, woo, 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 boy, you feel that, woo. Now, you may have some feelings, but see, people emphasize that instead of the Bible. What did the Bible say? They were all filled, and what happened? Begin to speak. So, I thought, no, that can't be it, because that's too simple. And I don't feel that much. But I read the little book again. And he had another little book on speaking in tongues and why. Why tongues. And that you, it's a faith proposition. And you just speak by faith. And you believe that you're being built up. And you believe you're speaking out mysteries. And I just had enough faith in the word. That I acted on that. And I acted on it. And I just started doing it. And doing it. And doing it. And after that, feelings begin to come. 
Have it begin to get stronger and stronger? Why? Because it's a matter of me learning to yield. It's not a matter of me waiting on God. It's a matter of me learning to yield. And later on, I experienced the Spirit of God on me strong and the anointing on me strong. And I recognized it from previous experience. There were nights when we were tarrying. I remember one night in particular. This happened more than once, but on this night especially, there was a bunch of the men up around me, a bunch of the women up around on the other side. We were tearing, you know, ignorant, but doing all we knew to do. And I sensed the presence of God got stronger and stronger and stronger until we had a little altar rail that was padded, and I'm literally just draped over this thing going, please, God. Give me the Holy Ghost. Please give me, give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, I'll try to do better. Give me the Holy Ghost. Please, God. Well, what are you going to say for hours? And you don't know the word and you can't speak in tongues. Please, God. Please. You're a beggar. Religion has made people beggars. God never intended that you be a beggar. Didn't tell you to beg him or beg anybody. Told you to believe him. Believe him. Beggars are not believers. Believers are not beggars. And I heard kaplump, 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 kaplump. And finally I looked around. I could hardly raise up. Presence of God was so strong. I looked around. All the men around me had fallen out under the power. They're laying there in the floor going, oh, Jesus. And then the presence of God is so strong on me. I'm draped over the altar. And I'm going, oh, God, give me the Holy Ghost. And years later, I learned about this. I looked back. I thought, who did you think that was? I'm going, give me the Holy Ghost. He's going, hey. It's me. Hi. Yield. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, no, now. (laughs) If you ever see me speaking in tongues, it won't be me. Hard-headed. Dumb. Proud. Ignorant. (laughs) And when I did begin to yield and begin to, you know, got filled and I thought, oh man, I could have been doing this 10 years ago. But see, I made it hard. I complicated it. And that's what religion does. Tradition of men and religion and the enemy complicates everything and wants you to believe that you're too dumb to get it. You're too dull. This is way over your head. Those folks are educated, so they know. A lot of times educated folk have the most trouble. God's not making this thing hard. I said he's not making this thing hard. All things, whatever you ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. Believe you receive them, you shall have them. That ain't complicated. It just takes faith. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Well, why did we get into all that? Well, the Lord knows. I said he knows. Keep reading. We better back up and get verse 8 again. What does it say? We need to work on our O a little bit. What does it say? O-T. 
and see that the Lord is good. See, good has got two O's in it. Don't it? Good. Oh, good. Why? Because when you sense his goodness, it's hard to express it. In your spirit, it is beyond our expression. How good he is. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And so we saw that if you trust in him, you don't have want. You want those that seek the Lord will not want any good thing. Verse 12, what man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and what? Do good good and seek peace and pursue it. Thank you, Lord. Good is what God is. Good is what God does. Good is God's will for your life, what you are to do, and good is what it is his will for us to have and experience. In one of the Psalms, he said, Lord, uh, do good unto them that are good. What you get into the sowing principle. If you sow good, what's supposed to happen after that? You reap good. You do good for somebody else. God has a legal right to do good for you. Good. Somebody say good. Good. Now go with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy. Thank you, Lord. Somebody needs to get filled with the Spirit tonight. Can you tell that? So get ready. And some of them are not in the building, but that's all right. Get ready. We're going to pray over you. Amen. Going to be some tongue talking in front of the computer screen. Yeah. Get ready. Get ready. We'll say, you think so, brother? I know so. Brother Keith, I've been prayed for so many times. I just told you how many years I got prayed for. Got nothing to do with it. When you do it right, it just takes one time. We're going to do it right tonight. Amen. We're going to believe. We're going to receive. We're going to talk in tongues. The whole bunch of us. Just like they did in the book of Acts. Because God hasn't changed. The Spirit hasn't changed. If they needed a supernatural ability to commune with God beyond their understanding, don't you think that we've advanced to the point we don't need that? If they needed power in their life to be a witness, don't you dare think we've advanced some way to where we don't need this. The Lord told them, don't you leave here till you be endued with power from on high. Don't you go out to try to fulfill the Great Commission. You need help. Capital H. And that's the Holy Ghost. He is the helper. We need to receive him fully. We need to yield to him fully. Speaking in tongues is not the end. It's the doorway into all the rest of the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. But you'll find that the more you yield and speak in tongues, the more of the other gifts and manifestations you'll see and have. They're linked together. Sure, you ought to do a lot of talking in tongues. Lots and lots of talking in tongues. And most of it privately. Are you with me? The Apostle Paul said, I should say Paul the Apostle, said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he said that to a church that was had chaotic times because everybody's trying to talk in tongues at once in the service. And he said he talked in tongues more than a whole bunch of them. 
He said, but in the church, he'd rather, you know, use words in his own understanding. Well, then where's he doing all this talking in tongues more than everybody else? He must have got up talking in tongues. He must have talked in tongues between meals. He must have talked in tongues on the bed. Yes, he did. And it'll help you if you will. You'll build yourself up. You'll pray out mysteries. Glory to God. Pray out the plan of God. Don't think you don't need this. Because you do. Deuteronomy. The first chapter. Deuteronomy. The first chapter. Now last week we talked about the good land. Do you remember that? And if you study the scriptures, you'll find that there is just, there are many, many references to the land that God chose for his people, Israel. The land that flowed with milk and honey. Good land. Do you understand, he's not just talking about good real estate. When he keeps talking about this good land, what are they going to do when they get to the good land? They're going to live in the good land. They're going to enjoy the fruits of the good land. Get this clear in your spirit. Good land equals good life. The good land is about a good life. A life of plenty. A life of safety. A life of enjoyment. Did you know a lot of Christians are afraid to enjoy things? If they get something nice, they're embarrassed about it. They don't want anybody to know it. They hide their prosperity. Don't want anybody to know how much it cost or what they paid for. Certainly not. And downplay, if they're doing good, they downplay it. Boy, I must be doing really good. All fair, not that good. There is a, I grew up in the South. There is a negativism in the South we need to get our minds renewed from. You need to ride. Somebody pulls up in a Cadillac and there's only one person in there. You look in there and you go, you don't have room for another rider, would you? (laughs) Negative. There's a negative theme that's weaved through a lot of stuff. Now, there's a lot of good stuff about the South, too. I'm from there. But where you... Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. I ain't taking it back though. Uh, But negativism is in every quadrant. It just takes on different shapes and, you know, descriptions. But we need to get rid of all that. I said we need to get rid of all that. You know, somebody's asking Brother Jesse, trying to interview him, trying to start something that they could put on TV. Or they said, we hear you're doing really good. He said, you heard wrong. Then I expect him to backpedal like a lot of people do. He said, I'm doing a lot better than that. (laughs) See, that sounds foreign. It sounds wrong because of religious indoctrination. You're supposed to make apologies. If you get something nice and expensive, you're supposed to apologize. Or if it's real nice, you've got to at least come back and say, well, you know, I got it for a deal. Yeah, hey, I know it's nice, but I didn't pay full price. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Why not? Either you're, it's okay to have it or it's not. That's another subject. But God had planned for them the good land. Read the scriptures. Deuteronomy 1. 
25. Let me read some scriptures to you. Deuteronomy 1. And uh, he's telling the story about how the spies went and saw the land. Verse 21, Deuteronomy 1, the Lord God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. You know, just because the Lord gives you something does not mean you're going to enjoy it. I said, just because the Lord gives you something, that does not mean you'll automatically enjoy it. What must happen next? Did you see this? The Lord has set the land before you. Now what? Go up and possess it. Go get it. Go take it. So the uh, spies searched out the land. They brought back the fruit of it. Verse 25. They took of the fruit of the land in their hands and they brought it down to us. And they brought us word again. And they said what? It is a good two O's. It's a good land which the Lord our God does give us. Well, man, that just ought to be in celebration from then on. And then what should happen? Go get it. Go take it. If God says it's yours, I don't care whose name is on it. Or who's camping on it or what the law says. If God says it's yours, it's yours. He's well able to put it in your hands. But you've got to possess it by faith. Notwithstanding, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Now, we talked about this last week. This is an issue of not being persuaded of God's goodness. Of it being too good to be true. See, they've been in Egypt for a long time. And they have been, their minds and their thinking has been affected by Egypt thinking. And so they, all the phrases like you hear today in the world, well, you just never know. You know, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And all this other stuff. And they, when they got to the land and they saw how wonderful it was, I'm telling you, it is the beauty of lands. And they saw, man, this is just, it's paradise. It's just, and then they saw the giants. And they thought, ah, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it was too good to be true. The devil wants you to be afraid to dream. He wants you to fear disappointment. Are you with me? And not get your hopes up, as people say. I've had people try to pull me aside and go, now preacher, you're just getting their hopes up. What are you doing? People who tell you that, what are they doing? They're telling them, don't hope. There ain't no use. Resign yourself to your lot in life. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. You ever heard that kind of thing? No, you'll just be disappointed. Don't get your hopes up. And parents, if they're full of that, they put that in their kids. The kids get excited about something and they want something. They come and say, Mama, Daddy, Mama, look at this. Look at this. I want this. And they say, Boy, you think money grows on trees? It's time you learn. We ain't rich. You got to learn your wants don't hurt you. Now forget about all that dreaming stuff and go sit down. Dashed their hopes. Why? Because they have no faith. Limit everything to what they can see and what they can produce. I've told this before, but a little bare repetition about I'd taught this and 
years ago and told parents, you know, when your child comes, don't say, we can't afford this. Don't use that word. If it's something you wouldn't mind them having, teach them sowing and reaping. Join your faith with them. Pray a prayer of agreement. Believe God. It's not too hard for him. Why would parents not do that with their kids? Afraid. They'll be. Which means they don't believe God themselves. Faithless. Well, not long after that, a woman who was in one of our services, single mom, with I think she had three kids. And they didn't have much money. And her little girl came and wanted a certain bike. And she said, Mama, Mama, look at this bike. It has this and it has that. I want us to get this bike. And she looked at her and she said, Well, honey, I'm sorry. Mama can't of, and she caught herself. She remembered the word. She said, Okay, now we either believe this or we don't. She said, Well, baby. You know, mama's not the source. We can believe God. You got something you want to sow, got to plant seed, and then mama will agree with you. And we'll believe God for this. See, mama doesn't have a clue how they could do this. That's what faith is all about. But she believes God can. Does God love that little girl? Does he want her to have a bike? Certainly. Certainly. And uh, the little girl, man, little ones, their spirits are alive to God. They'll jump on this just like that. But she said, yeah, yeah, I know exactly the thing. And she ran, got this certain toy. She wanted to sew it to her little friend. So they went and sewed it. Were the little girls, other little girls excited? They claimed it. It wasn't but a few weeks. Here comes in the mail a check to the little girl from an unexpected channel. More than enough to get the bike. Because the bike also happened to be on sale. Just a few blocks down the street. They cashed the check. They went to the store. Bought and paid for the bike. She rides out on it, ringing the bell. I tell you what, she'll never forget that. She knows mama didn't give her that bike. The Easter money didn't give her that bike. Santa Claus didn't give her that bike. Jesus got her that. And she knows. She'll know that the rest of her life. If he can do that, he can do something else. He can get her a job. He can get her a husband. He can get her a house. He can heal her babies. Hallelujah. It comes back. And I'm believing God to help us to express this and get it out. It comes back to a lack of faith in the goodness of God. When people hear that God will heal you, he wants you healed right now. Anybody that's sick wants to believe that. You're dying with a terminal disease and somebody tells you it's God's will to heal you. There's something about you wants to believe that. Well, what would get in your way? Hmm? All these other variants and forms of tradition and religion that come and say, well, now don't, yeah, but... Don't get your hopes up. In other words, what? It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. God wants to bless you. He'll bring you out of debt. If you sow your seed, he'll multiply it. Bring it back to you many times over. He'll make you rich. And millions will look at us and scoff and go, oh, that's that's just a bunch of pie in the sky junk. Don't go over there and let them pump you up and get your hopes up. What are they saying? Come over here and let us tear you down. Let us tell you you ain't nothing and you ain't going to have anything. And you might as well accept it. 
I mean, it works. It kind of works out to that. No. Say no. No, no. We believe God is not only that good. He's better than we know. He's better than that. We believe in the goodness of God. How good he is. How good he is. His goodness is bigger than our ignorance. Bigger than our failures and our sins and our mistakes. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say it again. I have faith in the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Go down to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. Let me go over this again slowly. What happened to them when they got in the land and they saw, did God tell them a lie about the land? No. What did he say? It's a good. Oh, it's so good. I mean milk and honey. The rains of heaven. You don't even have to irrigate. The climate is so good that the rains are there when you need them and abundant and the fruit of it. And they got there. And you remember it took two men to carry a cluster of grapes. That's good. I said, that's good. And they saw, but they saw the giants. Well, he didn't tell them about the giants. But that doesn't mean what he told them was not true. He said, it's a good land. And it is. And he said, I've given it to you. But they saw the giants. And so immediately the enemy comes and goes, see there, see there. It already belongs to them. And they're stronger than you. Now don't just hear me talking about them. Bring it into the here and now. Have you ever heard that kind of thing? You get kind of excited about something. You kind of worked up. And then what happens? Here comes something to rain on your parade. No, 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 don't get excited. Don't get your hopes up. Because you just never know. And you know the economy is not that hot and gas is sky high. And you know when the wind's blowing, ain't no way you can walk on the water. <laughs> Recognize the spirit of discouragement. And the thing is, so many times it comes through believers, supposed to be believers, mouths. It can come through family members, co-workers. You get stirred up about something. You get pumped about something. You need to be led who you even tell. A lot of folk, you tell them, you're just asking for trouble. Because they're going to knock it down. Every time they see you, they're going to knock it down. Oh, you ain't still all pumped about that deal, are you? Come back to planet Earth. Beep, beep, come back. Man, you're out there. I'd rather be out there than down under there. God wants to take us way on out there from where we are here. Right? Y'all are just excited. Y'all just, I don't know. I just all worked up. I don't know what they all worked up about. I know how poor they are. They ain't never be able to have a house. There's a lot of people better than them ain't got a house. Who do they think they are? We don't have a house and we're twice as old as you. What makes you think you're going to have one? You think you're better than us? Have you ever heard this kind of stuff? What is it designed to do? 
get you to back off, back down, right? Lose your excitement, cast your confidence away, and go, yeah, yeah, I know what was I thinking. I guess I just got excited. I got to come back to the real world here. Go clock in in the morning, make my five dollars, and this is life. And what that is, is deciding God is not really good like that. That couldn't really be his will for me. He's not that good. Oh, yes, he is. He's better than that. I'm doing the best I know to get this out. Can you see it? Even though people would never say it, they don't believe in the goodness of God. They'd never say that in a hundred years. Oh, yes, yes, no, no, I believe God is good. But now this expecting that he would pay off your bills and make you rich. Well, no, now that just ain't. Then you don't believe he's that good. You don't believe he's that good. We do. I said we do. We believe he is just that good and better. They saw the giants. They said, oh, it is, oh, it is a sweet land. Oh, man, it is, whoo, glory. But the giants, but, but, it's just a dream, and it ain't real, and it ain't going to happen, because the giants. What they could have said, it's like Caleb and Joshua said. In fact, we ought to read it. We got to read it. I said we got to read it. Uh, Numbers. Thanks be unto God. Can you stay with me a little bit longer here? Numbers 14 will be good for now. Numbers 14. These guys choked on the goodness of God. He was too good for them to believe. They choked on it. Millions of Christians doing the same thing today. I'll be open and frank with you. This past year, the Lord had to expand me a little bit on some things. There were some things that he began to deal with me about. I was preaching somewhere. And uh, I was talking about how big God was. And something had come up about Phyllis and I stepping up in a thing to a higher place. And I had thought, well, man, we're just good enough where we are. I mean, I'm happy. We're, you know, I don't need any better than that. I'm and um, so I got to preaching about how God wanted to bring you on further. And I'm preaching away in another state and I'm waving my arms. And the Lord said, what about you? <laughs> and I'm still talking. Well, he's like, I said, what? He said, I'm trying to bring you up high and you're dragging your feet. I said, I'm sorry. This, I'm saying this while I'm talking. And I thought, Lord, I, he said, what about what I want? He said, this is not just about, now, you mind if I take a side journey right here? I might as well tell you, because it has to do with you. It was about us stepping up to a higher place in some personal things. And we're blessed. I don't mind telling you. You know we are. We're blessed. We live in a good place. We drive good. We eat good. We wear good. We're doing good. I make no apology for it. And this other place coming up to another thing in our personal lives was quite a bit higher, quite a bit higher. And the number's pretty big. And I'm thinking, I'm doing good. 
I'm happy. I'm happy. The Lord said, what about what I want? He said, your people's prosperity is connected to you. He said, their vision is connected to your vision. If you get a $50,000 house and you act like, well, this is just the finest house anybody ought to ever want in the world. And you act like that and you say that, a lot of your people will never rise above that level. Because they'll feel the same way. Are you with me? He said, but if you're, if I'm able to bring you up much, much higher, if it's really high, even if your people under you attain half of it, it's still a good place. If it's really high. If it's low, your standard's already low to start with. I don't know if you see all this or not. But there, you and I are connected. If you're visiting, you're connected with your ministers. If you don't have any, that's part of your problem. You need to get some. You need to get your church family and where you're supposed to be hooked up with. And you need to understand, I have felt like our church family has not understood double honor very well. And one thing that's bothered me some about it is because it seemed to me that maybe some people thought we're just asking for some money or some stuff. And that bothered me so much that I'm tempted not to do it. But I can't do that. I said I can't do that because we're connected, you and I. And if people, I know it sounds, I'm a minister, so it sounds self-serving. But if people only knew this, if they only knew how their prosperity was connected to their ministers, they would want them at the top of the top of the top because you're connected to it. And can you see why the devil has lied to people? And for generations, we got whole groups of Christians that want their preachers to take a vow of poverty and have nothing. And the others, they may not take the vow, but the church is going to see to it that it's that way. (laughs) No, the Lord dealt with me. He said, no, he said, what about what I want? He said, there's more going on here than just what you want. And so you and I need to submit to the goodness of God. We need to believe in the goodness of God. Why are we having this series? Why are we talking about this? Because we must come up in seeing how good God is and how good His will is to us. We must dare to dream and see ourselves in these places and at these levels. Come on now, we must dare to dream and let it become a vision and let it become a reality. Oh, come on, be willing to stay with it for a decade at a time if need be. Oh, come on. How good is God? How good is His will for your life? Spiritually, physically, materially. How good? Just how good is His will? Do you believe his will for you is better than what you've been experiencing? Absolutely. No question. No question about it. Was this a good land? Good land equals what? Good life. Did he have an exceptional life planned for them? Yes, he did. Let's read Deuteronomy 6. Then we'll read Numbers 14. I was going to do it the other way, but this will work. 
Deuteronomy 6, he describes what he had planned for them. Deuteronomy 6, are you there? He said, Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. It shall be when the Lord your God shall have brought you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you build not. Man, you just move in. None of the labor, all of the benefit. Is he that good? Lord, help us. Help us with this. Is God this good? Hmm? Others, this is a spiritual principle. Others have labored. And now you're entering into the fruits of their labors. Is God that good that you just walk into something? It's already done. Everything. Better than you dreamed. And you just... You know, pack your underwear and move in. (laughs) Get your dog and go. Oh, come on. Is God really that good? That he would let you just come into something that's already, you know, the foundation was laid and the work and all the money and all the stuff and all the time and the aggravation has already been done. And you just... Slide in. And houses. Houses. Is God really that good? Did he give you a house in Branson? And a house on the beach? And a house in the mountains? Huh? House in the woods? Is he really that good? See, a lot of people don't believe he's that good. They don't. They're like... Oh, now that's not necessary. (laughs) Who said anything about necessary? Well, you don't need all that. Who said anything about need? Did the Bible say that God limits us to our needs? See, that's religion. Ignorant thinking. Is God that good? I got to go over this again slowly now because a lot of folk are just still dragging their feet. Is God that good to you? That he would give you multiple houses paid for. Is he that good to you? Well, if it's his will for you to have this amazing outstanding mansion in heaven. And it's his will, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why wouldn't it be? The finest you could have down here is not up to that. And you need to get acclimated so it's not such a shock. I mean, you move out of inefficiency into that 90-room mansion. It may take you the first 500 years to just get where you can relax in that place. I don't know. You need to get acclimated to some better stuff down here so the transition is not such a shock. I believe he's just that good. And even better. Mm -hmm. Oh. Hallelujah. Keep reading. 
The houses full. Houses full of all good things. The first house Phyllis and I really got, first house we ever bought of our own, we lived in that house 10 years and didn't have pictures on the wall. People come in and say, y'all just move in? He said, no. Nah. Because <laughs> all we could do to make the payments. <laughs> but it's God's will that your house be full. Full. Full of what? Full of what? Full of junk that you was able to get at the flea market. Huh? All that stuff you save so much money on. If you're led by saving money, you're not led by the Spirit. If you're led by the best deal, you're not led by the Holy Ghost. The best deal financially is not always the will of God. And it don't take long if you get the best deal and have problems with it for it not to be the best deal. How quick does that go away? Don't be led by money or you won't be led by the Spirit. Now, if you'll be led by the Spirit, you'll never waste money. But sometimes spending more is not wasting. Did you hear that? Sometimes spending more now saves something later. Don't be led by the cheapest thing. Houses full of all good. Good. Somebody said, what is that? Boy, that's a good piece. Whoa. That's a good piece of furniture. That's some good. Whoa, that's some good drapes. Feel the material in those things. Hmm? Good stuff. Boy, I can see why God has us teaching on this. We got a ways to go in this deal. Wells digged that you didn't dig. Vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. You just walked into them. When you shall have eaten and you're full, don't forget the Lord. Don't lay up and don't go to church. Backslide because now you got something. Don't do it. Skip over to the 8th chapter. Thank you, Lord. He said, verse 7, the Lord your God is bringing you. He's bringing you what? How about you right now? Huh? He's bringing me. Say it out loud. He's bringing me into a good, good land. Good land equals what? Good life. Good life. Good land. Good land. Good land. A land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. How many understand all this is stuff? Hmm? This is not just spiritual. This is not spiritual trees. Spiritual rocks. Spiritual. This is stuff. They got furniture and land and cars and and clothes and rings and barns and food and mules and chickens and pigs and 
I keep telling Phyllis I'm going to get her some chickens. And she says, I don't want any. I don't want any. I said, no, get, I'm going to get you some chickens and you can feed them. <laughs> she says, I don't want any chickens. <laughs> She's a city girl. Yeah, like she didn't have anything else to do. I used to, we helped Brother Kenneth Hagin and Miss Aretha, you know, for years. And uh, I used to get so much fun out of Miss Aretha because I kept on my, I'm a country boy. And I kept on my, you know, I'm on, we were in the city and I don't like the congestion. I don't like the traffic. And I, I'm believing God to get me a place in the country. And uh, so I get, you know, we'd talk about it. We're eating breakfast or whatever, us four. And uh, she's talking about, you know, we ought to move over close to them. Well, they're right in the middle of the city. And I said, nah, I said, no, mom, we called her mom. Mom, hey, no, I want to be out in the country. I want some land. I want, you know, where I'm not up against somebody. She said, what do you need all that land for? I said, so I can have somewhere to put my mule <laughs> and my chickens. She said, she'd get out. She said, you don't need a mule. You're supposed to, be, what are you going to do with a mule? You're supposed to be on the road helping us. I just start laughing. I said, Phyllis needs some chickens to feed. And boy, she said, she does not need any chickens to feed. <laughs> so we moved over close to them. <laughs> but that's all right. We'll have it all before it's over with. Right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Here, chick, chick, chick. <laughs> It'll be a hillbilly holdout right here in the middle. Of... <laughs> no, we ain't going with progress. <laughs> Help us, Lord. All this stuff, this good Good stuff. Verse 9. A land where you shall eat bread without scarceness. Isn't that what he said? There is no want. No want to them that fear the Lord and seek the Lord. You shall not lack anything in it. Well, man, if you don't lack anything, what does that mean? means you got everything. You want and need. You got it. Is he that good? Is God really that good? See, people that don't believe in this and they scoff and find fault with us, their problem is they don't believe in the goodness of God to that degree. They just, it's just, to them it is too good to be true. So it's not. But it is. I said it is. He is that good. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's just praise Him a little bit right now. Lord, we believe You are that good. We believe You're this good and better than we know. We'll not sell You short. We'll not limit You. We'll not make excuses as to why it's not for us. We believe in the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Now go to Numbers 14. Thanks be unto God. Numbers 14. And see how this thing happened. And let's uh, purpose that we never do this in our life. 
They came to the good land, which equals the good life. They came, they were there. They were up to the border. There it is. Right there. They sent the spies in. They went in and they came back and brought the report. They brought all these grapes. Back up to chapter 13. 13 and 27 said, they came back and they said, we came to the land that you sent us. And surely, surely. It flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. And all the people saw that giant cluster of grapes that it took two men on a pole to haul. And all the people are going, oh, 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 have you ever seen such grapes in all your life? And that was just one representation of the land. When God tells you I got something good for you, believe it. It's better than you know. Dare to believe it. Dare to dream as big as you can. And then believe he's able to do exceeding abundantly. Above that. Believe he is that good. The biggest you ever dare dream is small to him. Don't back off. Step up. They said this is the fruit of it. Verse 28. Verse 28. What? Nevertheless. Nevertheless, does that remind you, every time I, I hear that, I think of them making us memorize Edgar Allan Poe. And Raven, what does the Raven say? Nevermore. Nevermore. Thus quoth the Raven, nevermore. They ought not be teaching that in the schools. That man had devils in his house. I'm serious. Oh, it's a great literary work. I don't care how eloquent or educated somebody is. If it's full of evil and darkness, you don't need to hear it or see it or know about it. We got a confused society. We got people, actors, that'll do a movie and portray the depths of depravity and perversion. And they put them up on the podium and give them these great awards. How about what a wonderful performance. I don't care how good a performance it was. That's bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody needs to be portraying that. Yeah. It's evil. Right. Are you listening? Yeah. It's not okay. But see, people, they go to school and they learn to appreciate the arts. And they learn to appreciate somebody's craft. And, you know, they think, be, see, the devil's been slipping this under the door for centuries. You know, somebody look at something that somebody painted and they go, well, they're all naked. Oh, it's art. Oh, okay. Well, they're still naked. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's art, Brother Keith. It's art. What does that mean? Naked is naked. Art or no? Right. Amen. <laughs> well, I'll just better move right along, I guess. <laughs> sin is sin. Amen. Even in brilliant color on a big plasma screen. Amen. With a, you know, $20 million budget, I don't know, $50 million budget. Still, sin 
It's sin. It's still bad. I don't care how you dress it up. You can't make it okay. You can call it art. You can call it acting. You can call it entertainment. And it's just a subtle way of the enemy to try to slip it into your life. If you let it in. Because normally, I mean, if I got up and said it in church, you'd fall off your chair. But some of the same people will sit and listen to it and go, boy, what a fine actor they are. You know what I'm talking about? They said, no, we can't go in. We can't do it. The people are too strong. They, in the land, the walls are too high. They got iron chariots. What are they saying? It was too good to be true. I'm sorry. Y'all all got excited. Because we can't do it. We can't do it. They're too big. It's too hard. We can't. Have you ever heard this in your own life? And the thing you have to watch for is it coming through Christians. These are people in the same nation as themselves. Right? These are covenant people. And these were the biggest ones they had to overcome. Was their brethren. What about us? Who's the biggest bunch has been telling us we can't be healed today? Telling us prosperity is not for everybody. Who's the biggest bunch telling us that? Our brethren. But we are not that easily discouraged. Verse 30. Caleb. Oh, I like Caleb. Oh, come on. Caleb. Caleb still the people before Moses and he said. Come on, guys. Let's go up there at once. And let's take this thing. Can you hear him? Come on, come on. No, no, guys. Because they already started crying and they're whining and they're going, Oh, I, I wanted, I heard about the orchard. I wanted an orchard for myself, but I guess it's just a stupid dream. And I, he gets up and he goes, No, 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 no. It's not just a wild dream. It's there. We saw it. Come on, come on. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. Let's, let's go get it. And see, we're coming back to another thing. Even though God gives you something, that doesn't mean you'll ever enjoy it in your life. What has to happen after that? What has been given by grace must be possessed by faith. It's just a universal law in the kingdom. They said, let's go up at once and get it because we are well able to overcome it. He didn't have the scripture yet, but it's the same thing he said. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He has made us more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We can do this thing. God has given it to us. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. It ain't too good to be true. I saw it. Here's the grapes. Let's go do it. It's ours. Verse 31. But, but the men that went up with him said, no, it's too good to be true. We're not able. Come on, let's have a reality check now. These guys are 
seven, eight, and nine foot tall, weigh four, five, and six hundred pounds, and walls up to the sky, iron chariots. There is no way. We got to come back to reality. I'm sorry. I know y'all like to get excited, but this just is not happening. Well, you want to just go out and all of us go get killed? It's too good to be true. It's not true. Now, friend, do you understand the future of this whole generation is in the balance today? The rest of their lives is hanging in the balance as to what they do with this. And it comes down to believing in the goodness of God. And they brought up and they said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. And they brought up a what? Evil is the exact opposite word of good. Today we'd probably use the word bad more than we would evil. But they brought up what? Did God give them a bad report about the land? What did he tell them? He gave good report. He told them it was good. And they turn around and say, well, no, no, I'm, yeah, it's got some good stuff in it. But really, when you take away the grapes and stuff, it's a bad land. You'll die over there. These guys will kill you. They'll stomp you and forget about you. They'll run over you like you're a grasshopper. It's a, later on, they said, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants. They took God's good report and turned it around into a bad one. They said the land through which we have gone to search it, it's a land that, here it is right here, eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so were we in their sight. That wasn't really true. God had already caused the fear of God to fall on them. They were dreading them. It wasn't true. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and they what? They cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Why are they doing all this? Has God changed? Has his will for them changed? Has his ability to do for them what he said he would do? Has it gone away? Why are they doing all this? They do not, they're not Convinced of the goodness of God. They believe this is too good to be true. Would God, they said, we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God, we'd have died in the wilderness. Verse 6, verse 6, verse 6. And Joshua. Hey. The son of Nun. Caleb. The son of Jephunneh. Which were with them that searched the land. They saw the giants too. They saw the same giants as other guys saw. And they spoke unto the company of the children of Israel. And they said, the land which we pass through to search it, it is what? Come on. They're agreeing with God, aren't they? Do they believe in the goodness of God? Do they believe the land is as good as what he told them? Do they believe he is just good enough to give them this good land? That he is good enough to do this for them? They believe in the goodness of God. See? The people of their generation called them wide-eyed dreamers. You're not realists. They were like us. We were like them. (laughs) 
with the excited bunch of their day. Right? They said, they came and they said, the land that we went to see, it is an exceeding good land. Can you hear almost the angst in their voice? They're going, no, quit your crying, quit your griping. No, 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 it's there. It's, oh, it's good. You saw the graves? It's good. God's given it to us. Come on now. They said, if the Lord delight in us, and obviously he does, he'll bring us into this land. He'll get us in there. He got us out of Egypt. He'll get us in there. Well, how is he going to do it? How's he going to, I mean, I make minimum wage. How in the world am I going to have a house on the beach and a house in the mountains? Well, not like that. Amen. How am I going to give big checks to the kingdom of God? Well, you won't like that ever. But if you would dare to believe this, if the Lord delighted us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. They are bread for us. We'd probably say, piece of cake. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord's not with them. He's with us. Don't be afraid of them. We can do this thing. God is this good. He is this good. He did pick this out and he did give it to us. Don't be moved by what you see. We're going to have it. Come on, let's go get it. Let's go get it. Come on, guys. Quit your crying. Come on, quit it. Don't believe that you can't do it. Come on, come on. But they could not convince them. And the rest of that whole bunch wandered around out there in a dry, parched, desolate place. When God had houses full of good things, orchards, vineyards, palm trees, pineapples, coconuts, watermelons, hammocks, rocking chairs, and porches, plenty of hay for your mules, and plenty of corn for your chickens. But they enjoyed none of it. They got to experience 40 years of dodging snakes and scorpions, enduring the heat. They all died young compared to what they were supposed to because of the conditions they lived in. The 90th Psalm tells that. Is that a type for us? Is this an example for us? Do you suppose there's any portion of the body of Christ not experiencing what they should be experiencing? Living in dry places. Barely eking out in existence. Raking by, scraping by, dodging snakes and scorpions and eating lizards and cactus. 
And the problem is a lot of these folk will tell you it's the will of God. Yeah, God sent me out here gave me a lizard ministry. <laughs> we don't understand it. But uh, <laughs> we have First Church of the Cactus. And <laughs> ain't none of us having no fun, but, you know, this is the will of God. It's mighty dry. Oh, it's dry. Oh. Is it so that all these folk are supposed to be in Canaan's land? They're supposed to be in a good land, in a good life, where not experiencing scarcity, having plenty of every good thing. And when I say, I can tell when I say it. There are some people that go, ah, that's just that health and wealth gospel. That's that. This is the Bible, my friend. Numbers is in the Bible. Deuteronomy is in the Bible. Philippians is in the Bible. Psalms is the Bible. And the Bible tells you every page, I mean almost every chapter, God is a good God. He's picked out a good Land that flows with milk and honey. Oh, where you just have plenty of every good thing. And when you start talking like that, people go, oh, oh, now that just sounds like a fairy tale, preacher. Well, you think it's too good to be true. But I believe it. I'm just simple enough to believe it. That he's just the same way right now as he was then, as he was before that. He'll never change. And it was not his will for them to die out there in that dry, bleak place. i tell you a couple old boys. Joshua and Caleb. Every night around the fire. Kicking lizards away. They'd look at each other and say, I don't care what the rest of this bunch is doing. I'm going in. You remember that place we saw? I remember it. You remember that orchard? That's my orchard. You remember that mountain? That's my mountain. I'm taking that thing. Y'all don't care if I'm a hundred years old. I'm taking that mountain. And did they do it? It took them a while. Because the others held them back. But they outlived them. And they outbelieved them. And at 80 years old. Eighty years old, Caleb took his mountain and he moved into his houses. Hallelujah. And he got his chickens. Yeah. (laughs) He got his hammock. Yeah. Glory to God. So even... If a whole generation thinks it's too good to be true, even a couple of believers, even a couple of Caleb and Joshua's can hold out and persevere and just keep on sowing and keep on believing and keep on standing even if decades pass. Oh, come on. Does this please God? Oh, he delights in doing these good things. For it's his will. 
He wants all of his kids to do it. We can't control them all. But we can set the example. We can possess our possessions. And then when people see it and want to know how he did it, we can say, hey, you can have it too. God will do it for you too. He's a good God. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's praise him some. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we exalt you. Lord, we magnify you. We believe in your goodness. 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 You are that good. You are this good. And better yet, oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. If you would just close your eyes for a moment. The scripture talks about if you be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? I believe it's Luke's account where instead of saying that, he said that your Father would give you the Holy Spirit. And one place talks about God's Spirit being the good Spirit. Well, he is good. And that same Spirit you're born again of will fill you to overflowing empower you to be a witness for Jesus in this life beyond your abilities and enable you to commune with God in a heavenly language, another tongue that you don't know. If you're in this room, are you watching by TV or internet? We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray a prayer and God's going to hear us. And we're going to all receive that have not received. And those of us that already have, we're going to speak in tongues. And this place is going to rise with the volume of speaking in a heavenly language. And you ought not miss out. You ought to jump in on this right now. If you're watching by internet, you're watching by TV, you've never been filled with the Spirit. This is so easy, so easy. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You pray it out loud. At the end of the prayer, we're going to begin to speak in tongues. When we do, you should join us. You should act in faith. Don't try to hear anything. Don't try to see anything. Don't try to feel anything. Now, when you speak in tongues, it's just like you're speaking in your known language, in English or whatever is your known language. The difference is it's not coming out of your head. You have to use your tongue, your lips, your vocal cords, just like when you are speaking in your known tongue. You have to speak. But it's not coming out of your head. Don't even think about what you're going to say. Just by faith. Begin to try to express your heart. And don't listen and examine where you think it sounds like a tongue. It's a faith proposition. So everybody, are you ready? Close your eyes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you've never received, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are. If you've not spoken in tongues before, you've not been filled, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. All right, those of you watching my TV or internet, you raise your hand and step forward closer to the screen. I want you to reach out and put your hand on your monitor or set or something as a point of contact that you're believing that you receive. Keep your hand up. Oh, hallelujah. It's right now. Now, let me lead you in this prayer. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross. Paid the full price for all my sins. I believe you've raised him from the dead. 
He's alive right now. Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. I am yours. You are mine. Father, you said that if I would ask you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, you would give him to me. So I'm asking you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing of your good spirit. I believe I receive. Right now, give me utterance in a new tongue, by faith, I speak in Jesus' name. Don't think, speak. Don't Don't think. Speak. Don't even think about it. You speak out by faith. Don't speak in your known language. Speak by faith. Yes, speak, you at home, speak in front of your computer screen, speak, speak in the name of Jesus. Olo hosko India, ambla sandi banangol emblindia sadi evejo. Don't be silent. Nobody silent. Speak by faith. Ophil emblascat. Don't even think about how it sounds. Just speak. Mondi galembren zele bravato. Glis devi lebre di elebrat de galevrodo vodo onjo. Delembranandi galavrondi elengrenji dilea ofede, ofede. Ofede apasa alabla santi and bodoche. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Hallelujah. Look at me for just a moment. Praise God. I believe a lot of people receive. The Bible said, Acts 2 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as he gave them utterance. Your stepping out to speak by faith activates the utterance. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. 
I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Could you say, I'm going to pray and just stoop down right now and start praying in your understanding? He said, I can do the same thing with my spirit. Could you just start singing with your known language, with your understanding? He said, I can do the same thing with my spirit. I had a person try to take me to task about that one time. They said, oh, no, now, Brother Keith, you can't turn the Holy Ghost off and on. You think you can just speak in tongues whenever you decide to? I said, I do. They said, you can't turn the Holy Ghost off and on. I said, he's always on. Anytime, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't go on vacation. He doesn't take downtime. He's always there. And if you will step out by faith to speak, utterance comes. It's a faith proposition. Now, it's not going to happen if you, if you keep your mouth closed and your lips tight and you're waiting for God to make you. Well, I've already told you about that. That's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. You have to speak. It's a faith thing. You've got to step out to speak by faith. And what's it going to be? You don't know. That's what faith is all about. But when you begin to try to speak, how many can witness to this? When you begin to try to speak it out, what happens? Utterance. Utterance comes and you can speak. And the more you do it, the better it gets. The more you yield, the freer you get, the more the power. So are you ready? Let's do it again. Are you ready? Let's speak. Oh, Ambedieni beneste cia de doce. Every anno mondo vongon belevlen manevado. Oh, fatto e gidia donna, pa fatto e igi badainia nonto, nonto, nimbere preste. Everybody speak. Everybody speak out. Paia ve docicote. Paia ve denne disinde la focole. Paia l'emblenziane vanto con volembrande ve l'embranz di aggetti. Bele sicili vredave gilavrodo vocove l'embranz dande ve l'embranz tia. Bele grenistia l'evrodo ve la prazca le bradi e le bredi e de occio. Ba anima enendo o non do o do dio gio do. Emblenisa abadidia ontono ontono do ontode. Embedie nende ofodo o do. Embayanande ebadie de odu uciudo aciudo aciudo aleblenene esse gado ojodo ancha esa hallelujah praise God look at me if you will I heard somebody say what good does it do tongue talkers huh what good does it do Oh, oh, what good. Have you ever not known what to pray? Have you ever got down, said everything you knew to say three times and didn't feel satisfied? What do you do now? Pray in tongues. What are you going to do about the future? What's God's plan? How do I find that as well? The Bible says when we speak in tongues, we pray out mysteries. We're praying out the divine plan. And since it bypasses your mind, your mind don't clutter it up, mess it up. You just pray, pray straight out of your spirit and the Bible said God hears you. 
He understands. And the Bible says you're building up yourself. Edifying. Building up yourself. On your most holy faith. Let's do it again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if this is the first night you have done this, you need to do a lot more of it tonight. Go home, lay across your bed, and lay there. Don't speak in English or your known tongue, but just say, Lord, help me to pray. Help me to pray out mysteries beyond my mind and by faith. And if you hadn't, you know, you don't feel a full release, it just means you haven't done it enough. Just yield more and more. Now, we'll have people standing at the front here right after the service right now, and they can answer questions. If you have questions about what just happened or if you're not satisfied or something else, it's just a matter of yielding. Don't think you're special and this is not for you. It's just a matter of receiving and yielding. Right? Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.